Independence Day, and few things make me feel more patriotic than talking to my colleague, Mr. Luke Curtinine. Luke, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Tom. I'm good. Happy Brexit Day to America. So, well, yeah, so you know, you're, you're a citizen of both countries, right? You're, I, so as, uh, and, and our, our boss Nina brought this up in our chat room this morning, uh, are you very conflicted on this day? little conflict i mean look like so yeah my mom's american my dad's very english i was born in america i have both passports and so i I will say that it's funny getting the sort of fourth so the first part of my life i grew up in england obviously then i moved to america it was really funny learning like about thanksgiving and fourth of july from the english perspective and then moving to america and hearing about it from the american perspective because it's very much in england like Yes, and this is when the insubordinate colonies decided that they were too good for taxes and quit on everyone. <laughs> Whereas then you come over here and it's like, and this is when our forefathers decided that freedom was the only choice. <laughs> right, well, you and, and you lived in the South as well, too, so I'm sure you saw, you know, you learned about the, the war of northern aggression and such. Absolutely, yeah, it was the war of northern aggression um, was the primary name for it where I, where I went to high school. Wait, for real? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I didn't, I didn't, I was sort of said that half jokingly. I guess I didn't realize that that was like a real thing in our lifetimes. Uh, oh yeah, there's another one too that's slipping my mind. Um, I think it's it's something along the lines of like the war of state, southern like the war for states' rights and stuff yeah, like that. Some, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Uh, uh, yeah. Man, all right. Well, let's let's not discuss that. We've got we've got uh, <laughs> it's we like to ask each other questions on this, and and I guess I want to start because uh, I have an important question for you, and that is, how dare you, Luke? How <laughs> dare you come into this country of your birth and <laughs> and rank Independence Day foods? And rank corn on the cob, corn, one of the staples behind the American obesity epidemic. And you rank that eighth, eighth out of nine on a generally bad list. I mean, this is just a bad ranking, but none stands out so much as corn on the cob, which is just delicious, which you call... Uh, something that, quote, needs to be slathered in a bunch of other stuff in order to taste good. I can't help but think you're buying the wrong corn, Luke. I mean, it's the same. It's the, it falls into the classic pancake territory for me, where it's that, like, look, there's nothing really great about it. I mean, it's not bad, but mostly it's not bad because it doesn't really taste like much of anything. No, right? that's just like not your true, bo- though. Your that's... body can't even digest it properly. So, like, you, you have to slather it in butter and cheese, and then you attach all the sentimental value to it, and then suddenly corn's my favorite thing. And Wait, who's attaching know. sentimental value to corn? Corn is delicious. It just tastes good. Yeah, yeah, but people like they like corn because they have they they have all the conjure up all these memories of Fourth of July cookouts where they have corn on the cob and it's beautiful summertime and then they eat it and it's all buttery and it tastes good and I I think if we take a step no, back, no, Luke, and, no, 
No, <laughs> I think you're eating the wrong. I really do think you're we because this has been an issue for you in the past. Is is just not just really having your head in the wrong place when it comes to have you have you purchased corn from like a farmer's market anywhere? I've eaten, yeah, I've eaten a variety of different corns, and I grant and granted like some corn is better than others, and some corn is sweeter than others. But again, like if you were to sit down with just a big bowl of corn, is that really better than like? ribs which i ranked ahead of it or like a bunch of cupcakes or like um i don't think so so i i would make the case and uh, you know look i I think it's certainly better than potato salad i don't know what potato salad is doing number four on that list uh that's just that's an embarrassment but uh you know look i'm not gonna i'm not here to knock hot dogs and hamburgers that's not what i'm doing i'm not i'm not gonna tell you that ribs are bad i'm just telling you that corn on the cob is delicious if you get like good fresh corn from a nearby farm in the right season you just put it on the grill uh put it on do you have a you have a grill right i do do you have is it charcoal or gas it's charcoal. Oh, perfect, perfect. When in in August or whenever the when the corn is in season, you can even do it now. I mean, go go to the Union Square Farmers Market and buy some corn, and then just don't even take it out of the husks. Throw it on the grill for like twenty minutes, roll it around one time, and eat it without butter. And tell me that it's not good. That's my challenge yeah, to you. Again, it's just kind of like it's just kind of bland. I no, think. it's I mean, good. It's so sweet, and it has this like it has the corn flavor, which is like a very specific thing that corn has a flavor it's delicious try another way to get into corn i'm just i'm i want you to i I want you to be able to enjoy this and because i I respect your food takes i will indeed give corn another um, try try and this is like a this is a backwards route into the corn world i think but in uh in like chinatown you can find places that sell corn ice cream and corn ice cream is actually really good and i think will make you appreciate the flavor of corn I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe corn has, like, really taken hold anywhere outside of North America. Has you, it? Like, you would know better than I would, but I believe, like, yeah. Like, I mean, in it's, Italy, they make it into polenta. Right, me, I think that it's used a lot of places, other, uh, a lot of other places, but I think that it's, like, the main oh, yeah. thing only corn, here. Corn is, like, a utility, is, is, is like, it's an everything, right? And, and you kind of have to respect it for its for its variety on that front but again it just comes back to this I, I'm, I'm very very wary and one of the reasons why we since we argued about pancakes is because i'm very wary about foods that people love and then you see pictures of these foods and you eat the foods and it's just like butter on cheese on corn and you're like well this is great butter and cheese but it's not great i mean freaking people in france eat snails because they they Butter and garlic, and, and they're and amazing. Butter yeah. and garlic, and yeah, of course, butter and garlic's amazing. No one's here to argue that. We're here to argue that, like, if you put this on anything other than snails, would it also be good, if not better? And to me, corn. I feel like there are a few red corn. There are a few red flags around corn. Plus, it's kind of annoying to eat, right? It gets stuck in your teeth. It's you know. You I don't know. It comes on a cob, right? It comes on a cob. It's got a little handle on the end. I feel like corn is a fairly convenient thing to eat. You can't eat. You have to eat it with two hands. You can't have to really go at it. You get stuff in your teeth, you know. So it's kind of uh, like this is weak. This is a weak argument. I'm sorry. I've tasted even, corn. I've had corn. You can't even mix it with other foods, really, unless it's off the cob. But we'll, of course, we're ranking corn on the cob. And like so, 
again, in England, like you mix all your food together, so that's what makes it good. And I have to. But that's because each up. individual item of food is bad. So your best option <laughs> is like to hope for synergy, right? <laughs> that is a fair point. That is, you boil it all together. Yeah, and you just know, make a stew. <laughs> just throw it in and turn up the heat and forget about it for four hours and see what happens. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I we have to move on. I don't think I think that I think that you need to eat better corn. I think that you need to come around to You like cornbread, right? Oh, I love cornbread. So how do you love cornbread and not appreciate that it is like the same flavor as corn? Because corn is a base ingredient. It's just like corn is just it. Like cornbread at least has other stuff in it. You know, you can put like some honey in it or you put some cheese in it and it becomes really good. And even if you don't do that, like it's a completely different thing. It's like saying like why you know, do you like bread? Why don't you eat straight wheat? And like, granted, corn tastes better. I could imagine tastes better than just wheat. But again, it's kind of a base. It's a baseline ingredient. I'd get down on some wheat. <laughs> like if someone not. was like, "Hey, try to, here. Do you want to eat this wheat?" I, I don't know what that would look like, but I would probably try it. I mean, it's it's responsible for many other great things. Uh, yeah. I, apart from like, you know, doing the thing where you put like a thing of wheat in your mouth and like feel like a farmer i've never i've never actually straight eaten wheat so, yeah uh, no no uh, let's move on you have a question about the knicks i didn't ask you to frame it in the form of the question so if you can't frame it in the form of a question what do you want to say about the knicks just tell me what it is yeah so i guess phrasing it as a question would be that is carmelo anthony the real uh the, the real problem with the knicks and my answer to this is yes and i constantly argue with Charles about it because if, if we rewind to whenever that trade went through I forget, what what was it, 2010-ish or something? I, I escaping me the exact year, but anyway remember like Carmelo Anthony, there was a lockout coming everybody knew there was a lockout coming people were talking about they weren't sure what the max deal was going to be, Carmelo Anthony's contract was due to run out in the summer and he really wanted to play for the New York Knicks, but he wanted the New York Knicks to trade for him because otherwise he was worried if he if he ran down his contract and just signed with the Knicks and free agency, then um, he, because of this new CBA agreement, he might not be able to get as much money. So he essentially, he, he essentially said, I'm going to re-sign with the Denver Nuggets unless the Knicks trade for me right now. He essentially held uh, both teams hostage and refused to do anything else apart from a uh, agree to a trade with the Knicks. And so what ended up happening is that Knicks, who at the time had Mike D'Antoni, who's the who's the man and who's the head coach, excuse me, of the Houston Rockets, and he was putting together this really interesting team with a lot of parts that he really liked. The Knicks ended up trading away all these assets to get to to get Carmelo Anthony six months and they theoretically could have gotten him anyway. And now we fast forward to this bunch of seasons where he's been good on a bad team granted it's been a poorly managed team and now like the Knicks are in this situation where they're no they're never going to be good enough to contend with Golden State but they can't quite bottom out because Carmelo has a no trade clause that he's effectively refusing to lift the only teams he said he'd lift it for were the Rockets or the Cavs I believe so it's like oh that's great he's only going to wave it if he can go win a championship somewhere otherwise he's just going to stick around and prevent this franchise from doing anything other than being like a C a C plus team maybe a C kind of just a straight C team and to me I just think like Melo I, I, I understand his prerogative he's doing what's best for him financially and he's doing what he wants to do aka live in New York but at some point like just because I mean while I respect his right to do that doesn't mean I have to 
like his right to do that, right? Like, right, it's like the Kevin Durant thing, which we talked about, which is like, yeah, obviously do it. Like, yeah, hey, go win your championship. Like we said, a little bit lame. Yeah, he gets to, like, make millions of dollars and live in New York. But, like, let's not then paint this picture as some, like, uh, some martyr who's stuck on a bad team. Like, he is the reason this team is, is so stuck. He forced their hand in the first place, trading away all their assets. So he essentially walked onto a team that he wanted to go to that wasn't anywhere near championship ready. And and he's kept them in this spot by not cutting them loose. Like, if I was the head coach or the GM of the Knicks, I would just say, fine, you're not going to waive your no late. You're not going to waive your no trade calls. I'm just going to bench you this entire season. I'm, you're just going to ride the bench. Uh. And I mean, I don't know if you can do that. The, no, but what's the point, Ted? Like, what, what's the point? Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, look, look, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a, like a Carmelo ambivalent guy, which is rare, right? Like, he is a someone who inspires extremely hot takes, and everybody, it feels like everybody's like, no, it's not. None of this is his fault, or what you're saying, which is kind of all of this is his fault. And I'm willing to say, like, okay, yeah, like you're you're right about a lot in there, but. It's on the Knicks for not being able to build better teams around him. Yeah, no, abs- I mean, I will say the Knicks are incredibly poorly run, right? Like, inc- and like the Knicks gave a, a sign, agreed to a no trade clause. Like, that, poorly that, run, it, poorly run makes it sounds like makes it sound like they're in the league with any other professional sports organization, <laughs> and I really don't think they are. No, they're no, like no, horrifically it, run. Yeah, horrifically run, and Melo is simply doing what's best for him. And again, like nobody's begrudging his right to do exactly that. But I just think that like I don't need to, um, I don't need to like it. I, I don't even need to respect the process. You know, I respect his right to do it. I don't respect his arrival at this point. No, I mean like, and again, like the reason I bench him, he the. The Knicks could have done a better job in building a team around him. But remember, Melo, in demanding for that trade, made it incre- it's so much more difficult right. he put them to in a make hole. that happen. He put them in a hole from day one and didn't care because he got what he, you know, he got what he wanted to do. And no one's saying Melo is an incredibly good player. He absolutely is. The reason I would bench him because I said, fine, if you don't want to leave, we would be. Bo- if you left, we would be trying to bottom out. And we can lose with you. If we can lose with you, we can lose without you. Exactly. Essentially, so yeah. Like, fine. Like we don't. There is no. The only value in having Melo on your team right now is if you're good enough to win a championship right now, which they are. So I'm saying, fine. We're just going to proceed with our plan of bottoming out, building around Paul Zingas, and that. And, and in order for that to happen, that means you never seeing the core. So like, sorry, Melo, but like. We're going to do what's in our best interest. In fact, I almost think that if a, if a well-run franchise or well-run team would probably do that at this point. I don't um, know. I wonder about, like, all of the politics in that. Like, how what does that do, say to his agent and, like, various people that you don't want to entirely alienate? Like, the players' union. Like, just this... I don't know. I feel like that would be a, that would be a tough thing to do like just and just a tough pill to swallow for your fans like we're we're just like we're so obviously intentionally losing and i know that that has become a thing in basketball but like we're gonna just like so thoroughly tank that we're not even gonna put this guy who's like our second best player on the floor yeah you need to you need to have like a strong front office in order to pull something and they don't have that they don't have any right like they don't yeah it's just not how it works it's not it's not gonna i mean yeah it's it's not not it's not gonna happen but it's a little frustrating because like Melo would pitch a fit if that happened because he would say why don't you just buy out my contract well because i don't want to pay you money to go play on a team that's better than us you know like we'll trade you to get something in return but i don't want to hand you a bunch of money to just go and play for the calves or something like i i want you know i, I don't I, I want 
I, I want to at least try to get something for you. And if we're not going to do that, then fine. You'll, we might as well just like prevent you from playing anywhere else against us. Um, I think that the solution is for the Knicks to be contracted. Just start anew. Just like just shut them down. No more Knicks. All the players can go wherever they want. And like in <laughs> in two years, they'll have an expansion and there'll be a new team. Just There'll like a, just no more Knicks. Just have them not exist anymore. <laughs> not a terrible solution to the problem. <laughs> All right. I got I got another question um, for you, and I have to pull it up from our chat from before. Um, it is oh, so today we're speaking on Independence Day. Naturally, uh, maybe people listening to it uh, afterwards and already know the results of this event. I don't think anyone really cares. Uh, competitive eating. Do we think this counts as a sport? Um, I, I think I feel like we've talked about this kind of stuff before, and I feel like I always come. I feel like we actually agree mostly in that, like anything that essentially is a tournament that the result is quantifiable. You know, you kind of say you kind of agree as a sport. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I come down. Like, figure skating is incredibly athletic. But it de- definitely, like, trips me up sometimes when I think, like, well, you know, the judges are administering the score. That throws me off a little bit sometimes. Right. This is, like, very quantifiable. Like, you eat 25 hot dogs, your opponent eats 24, you win, period. Like, so um, I guess, yes. Yeah, and I was going to, you know, that's a really good point. I was going to, I think I was, I was leaning towards no, just because it's so not, like, it just doesn't seem like a sport but like it's it's undoubtedly a f- an extremely physical competition and it's one that has an outcome right that yeah like one joey chestnut eats the most hot dogs and he is the hot dog eating champion yeah and i always get like tripped up when people say oh you know but it's not athletic because i've heard this argument about golf all the time like oh golf isn't a sport it's a game um because you know you can be like you can be bigger and play it but to me like The golf swing engages more muscles than any other action in sports apart from swimming. So, like, what is our, like, what are we calling sports then if, like, we're not accepting that a freaking golf swing is is an athletic move, you know? So, like, to me, like, that, there's just, like, stinks of, like, subjective judgment on all of these things. So I try to lump everything that can be, where the outcome is a quantifiable outcome, I label them in the sort of sports category. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I think I, I, I'm typically, I guess, a big-picture sports guy. If I consider Jeopardy a sport, I think I have to say competitive eating counts as a sport. It does pretty much gross me out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could. I, I don't know how. I mean, in some of the stories these guys go through for training, they eat a bunch of rice and let their stomach expand. I don't know. It's weird. And, and I mean, it's un, like if you see them, first of all, I've, I actually I'm, I've met Kobayashi. He is oh. a tiny little dude like to, to see this guy and like see him in his like street clothes you would just like if you if you had to guess 1,000 occupations for this guy you would not stumble upon competitive eater right like he looked like a like an artist like he was like very like when he was like very hip seeming and tiny uh and and I don't know I'm extraordinarily impressed that that guy can eat like 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes or whatever the heck it is yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of that is because of his method, right? Right, the, that it's, uh, you know, it's like this mind over matter stuff. And also, I'm sure he has just extreme core muscle stuff going on. So have you, so you, you're obviously a big food uh, food connoisseur. Have you ever, is somewhere in America, is there a picture of you 
on some restaurant's wall with the you know with a bit massive hamburger that used to be there finished in front of you and you know ted completed the 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 the, the nightmare challenge of eating um, this massive burger is, is one of these places exist no so so i find i am up for a like an eating challenge that doesn't involve volume but once it's like oh who can eat the most of this food that just grosses me out cuz it's always going to make me feel sick and yeah. then and then like if i were to try to eat the world's largest cheeseburger i would get sick from that and then i would have to go like a year like i'm the type of person once something makes me sick then i can't eat it again for a while uh, yeah, and like yeah. i don't want to give up cheeseburgers for for me to try to do it, it's got to, got to be something I love, and I don't want to have to give up that something I love because I wanted to get my photo on the wall eating a huge one. Uh, yeah. Where I do bite is for um, like spiciness challenges, oh, um, okay. and so like, like I actually in college there there is this is not spiciness, but there was a a lemon eating contest that I won one time because like I don't know it wasn't. It wasn't really too difficult to me to eat a bunch of lemons. I guess some people aren't into that. Um, but, like, I have, I have the capacity, I guess, for the sour food and sometimes for spicy food, but I don't, I'm not on a wall anywhere. Uh, my, uh, in col- also in college, uh, a roommate and I found out about a buffalo wing place actually pretty close to USA Today's main offices in Virginia, and uh, we had read that there was some, like, challenge wing there. And if you, if you ate six, you got your name on a plaque and so we went and we each ordered a plate of six of these things and the waiter was just like don't do that and we're like, oh, well, but like we want to try i like there are all those people's names on the wall like i want my name on the wall too he's like you're not you're not gonna do it like you believe like he's just like you're just not going to just like just you can take my word for it or i'll tell you what like i'll buy you guys uh I'll, you you guys buy one plate and if the two between the two of you you eat all six of them, I'll bring you another on the house, and we'll still put your names on the plaque if you you know if it's not just one thing. We ate one bite each, and both wound up shivering in the back of his minivan while his girlfriend drove us home. Oh my god! Uh, it was like it was the most insane thing. Like it was as soon as I ate it, it was like. Oh no! And it wasn't even like just the traditional pain of spice. It was like your whole body was like warm from the inside and like borderline hallucinating. Way too spicy. Wow, this sounds yes. Yeah, so I feel like this is one of these things that like happens in college. Like when this stuff happens, it usually happens like around college time. I remember. Um, you know, I went to this place called Wild Wings down in South Carolina, and they have like an atomic thing. And these two guys on the golf team who just come over from England saw the atomic wing, thought it'd be hilarious. Let's do it. Let's have a contest, me versus you. Not, I wasn't involved. I was well, and they don't eat a ton of spicy food in England, right? No, not. A, I mean, well, they eat curries, but it's kind of a different kind of spice. Right. Like, and so, no, is the answer to your question. And and yeah, like they brought out. Uh, these atomic wings and they brought out like a bunch of whipped cream and milk and all that stuff and they just each took I think like the winner got to like two wings and I've I've just never seen anybody like like I've never seen anybody in more pain eating a food let alone I, I'm not even sure if I've seen anybody in that much pain <laughs> it just looks it's a weird thing and yeah it's a weird thing that people are into it but I I don't know because I really like 
extremely spicy food. And like even yeah, but... there are foods that are like this is painful to eat, and I still really really enjoy it. And yeah, like, I was about to say because you're not exactly any slouch when it comes to eating spicy. No, food. no, I will like I you know I I order things extra spicy. There's a uh, there's a Thai place in our neighborhood, Jaya Thai. If you ask for something like oh, spi- yeah, yeah, yeah. spicy, there it will like it it will really mess with you. It is super spicy, but it is also incredibly good. Uh, so no, I'm about it. It was just that at this one particular wing place, it was like I mean they might have uh, who knows what was on this stuff. It might have been like gasoline. It it was insane. <laughs> Some, yeah, I mean like anytime you hear about like a physical reaction from spice is, is when the is when the alarm goes off. There right? is. Like, I want to say, so do you know Naruto Ramen? On It's right near both of us. It's on 80th. Yes, yeah, I love that place. It's on, I think, like 90, 90th Street and 3rd Avenue. They have a five spice challenge where it's like if you have their spicy ramen at level five, you get your photograph on the wall. And I've had it at level three and been okay, so I feel like that is an obtainable challenge for me. Okay. Man, like, how do you even, like, I don't know, you know better than I, how do you even get stuff that spicy? Like, it has to be the quality of, like, the chilies, right? And yeah, I know it's like to... the concentrated, so do you know about, like, Scoville units and such? Not really, So no. that's, like, the that's like the measuring system for a pepper's spiciness, and okay. it, I don't know what, like, the science is behind it, but I do know that, like, most peppers we eat are all just the same species. It's just, like, different cultiv- cultivations of the of the same pepper. Uh, so they can train them to be spicier or sweeter or whatever. Uh, and, and some of them, you know, there's like the ghost pepper. And, of course, like habaneros, like some that are just extremely spicy. And so to make things spicy, you just need like concentrations of that extremely spicy pepper. Uh, interesting. Yeah, and I know that like, I, at least in Indian food, they layer it a lot. So like every, with every, but you know, obviously a, a, a recipe is made up of, 15 different different sort of steps and with every step you just layer it with chilies a little bit more and so the idea is that like when you're seasoning the onions they have they're infused with spice and then when you're right. seasoning the tomatoes they're infused with ice and and it just uh, the end result is just uh, not just all these flavors together but just all this spice just kind of compacted into one dish and it just makes it incredibly spicy humans are the only animal i believe that enjoys spicy food <laughs> you know that's, that's I, a weird thing i do i'm not very good at handling it but i do genuinely enjoy it though. Like, it's good I, I, I don't know why i like it but i like it yeah me too me too um it's a weird thing that you're like hey i, I want to eat this food that brings me pain but nonetheless i do so it's, it's yeah. also kind of refreshing too you know it feels like it kind of cleanses a bit i guess so yeah um i think it's also good for you i think that uh i've read it so like if you add like a a quarter teaspoon of cayenne to your diet every day you'll lose five pounds in a year it like speeds up your metabolism Um, i don't think it's working but i i that's that's the way i diet it's just like i'll just make everything spicier yeah, no, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah, just like I just add hot sauce to everything. It'll be great. It's good for me. So uh, when 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 Ted uh, quits for the win to go make his billions selling a diet book, like, like, eat, slightly, eat slightly spicier food. How about that? <laughs> um, 
you have uh, – oh, oh, before we go on, uh, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, For the Win listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash For the Win, all one word. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash For the Win. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash For the Win. Luke, I believe you have a question about holidays in general. Um, yes, it, of the non-major American holidays, which is your favorite. Um, how do we define major? Um, so I guess major would be just Thanksgiving and whatever you celebrate around sort of Christmas. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess those are the, those are the, are those the big ones? I I feel like, is New Year's there? Um, I guess New Year's would be, I mean, open to interpretation from you on this. I I would consider New Year's a non-major holiday, I think. Okay. Um, if you're... I'm all thinking about, you know, Thanksgiving, you get a few days off. Christmas, you know, usually get a few days off. It's a bit more of an event. That's um, true. Yeah, Thanksgiving, uh, the standard for Thanksgiving is two days off. Uh, standard for Christmas is usually two days off. Uh, New Year's, really, just one? I mean, I don't feel like you don't typically get New Year's Eve off. New, Some Year's, do. New Year's is right on the cusp. You know, it's right. the Memorial Day, Independence Day, President's Day. These are all the kind of non-major holidays I'm more thinking about. Um, huh, you know what? I... I, it's probably Memorial Day for me, and, and it has nothing to do with, like, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but nothing to do in any of these cases with the spirit of the holiday. Um, it is just, like, the, the timing of the holiday. I tend to, like, Memorial Day, it's still not... I like the 4th of July. The 4th of July brings fireworks in many cases, which I love, and so that shoots it up near the top. I'm not a big flag-waving patriot guy unless I'm talking to you. Uh, and so, like, um, that's not that's not the part of it I like, but I do like, like, barbecue stuff and fireworks stuff. Uh, I just, in July in New York, it tends to be uh, unbearably hot, and so I'm more likely to enjoy myself on Memorial Day, beginning of the summer, now it's like now the summer's coming. Now uh, I can start taking baseball stats seriously, and now I can have my barbecue, and it'll be nice. That makes sense. And you're a you're a Thanksgiving over Christmas guy, right? Um, or- I mean that's I, you know like I don't know. I, I like Thanksgiving a lot. Uh, I also enjoy Christmas. Like my family is, we do we have we have traditions for Christmas that I enjoy. It's fun to get and receive gifts we get a little I, w- I would like it to be all reined in a little bit like sometimes i've kind of wished that we just all said like hey christmas is the time you just buy yourself a bunch of stuff and then everybody <laughs> you can like get together and show it off with the other people uh just because the pressure of getting everybody a gift is kind of a lot but i don't know i i like i do find myself usually i get into the christmas spirit eventually 
Yeah, I yeah, I think that's good. I think um, I think I, I think I like Independence Day the most of the federal holidays. I like the cookout. I like that it's during summer. Um, I'm obviously half American. I'm very proud to be half American. Uh, I don't. Um, Columbus Day is probably my least favorite. Well, that's not even really a holiday anymore, right? Like, I feel like once you're an, an adult, well, we don't get Columbus. I mean, we don't, we're obviously speaking today on the 4th of July, so we didn't get this day off either. But, uh, like, that's not a, we don't get, like, a scheduled day off for Columbus Day, right? Yeah, I don't even, I, I, don't, I don't know, to be honest. I, I don't think Columbus Day, oh, some people probably do, right? And Columbus, um, obviously, we know, doesn't deserve a day. Like, he, we shouldn't give that guy a day. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like every time it's, um, it's one of these things that sneaks up on you. You kind of forget about. It's kind of at a, a weird time of year. You're like, oh yeah, it's it is Columbus Day in October or whatever it is. And then you read all these depressing stories about all these diseases that were spread because of Columbus and all of this. And you think like, yeah, I don't quite get it, but um, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. So I, I mean, if if Columbus Day would be down there at the bottom. But again, like it's it's never about the and like well, I would not call it Columbus Day. I think that it's cool and I don't know. Come up with a better person to celebrate. There are tons of them. Uh, like Stevie Wonder Day would be preferable to me. But <laughs> um, but uh, because it's not a, like a day off, it doesn't even register for me. Like I yeah like I, you know, like you said like it'll be like oh that's right is it Columbus Day? There's some parade or something going on. And other than that, it ha- affects me in no way at all. Uh, it's like like a flag day to me, you know, and like now it's like a, oh, it's National Dumpling Day, but whatever. Like it's just, that's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Columbus Day might as well be one of those to me. Yeah, yeah. National Dumpling Day is a good idea, though. There's, I'm sure there's, I'm, there's, every day on the internet is National Something Day. You know my take on this. I, it's the dumbest thing. Who I don't know who is keeping track of all this, but it, usually if you look up a food and you're like, hey, what is National Corn on the Cob Day? You can find evidence of like seven different National Corn on the Cob Days, and all of them are being started by like Corn on the Cob companies. Yeah, I was about to say somebody, I don't know who, somebody or something, some entity is making some easy money on this. I think it's brands. They... I think it's I think every different brand, if you're like the main brand of that day, like if you're if you're Nathan's or you're uh I don't know, I'm trying to think of other popular hot dog brands, but I guess that's kind of a regional thing. Sabret or Oscar Meyer. Oscar Meyer is probably the best one. And you decide today is National Hot Dog Day, you're just you put out it's National Hot Dog Day and everybody's like, Oh, okay. Right. Oh, I, feel, I suddenly feel good about eating a hot dog and they right. paid their X fee to whoever dedicates these days to people, you know, they're, they're collecting their money. They can, they can have some, you know, quote unquote discount to buy some hot dogs and people, they see a little uptick in, uptick in business that day and everybody wins. And yeah, it's, it's all a, it's all a scheme. Right? Yeah. I hate to be cynical about it, but eat hot, if you want to have a hot dog, eat a hot dog. Oh yeah, absolutely. that's my I thing. Ranked them, I, I ranked them number one on I am, list today. I am about to. I am about to uh, purchase one myself. I should say, but not not grilled barbecue style. Uh, just reviewed for the sake of of this day. Uh, I have to do a, a sandwich review, and it will be a hot dog. Are you grilling or gr- uh, so, excuse me? Are you are you hot dogging or hamburgering today? If you're um, I don't have any. We don't have any plans. I made chicken last night, so we probably have. Leftover chicken, which is kind of sad, but it's delicious. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, yeah, but I, I will go eat and review a hot dog. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Uh, last thing, and this is something i got to ask you about because I don't really get it at all. Um, golfers are cheating. 
So, yeah, so this was Brandel Chambly, who is essentially the sort of hot take TV pundit of the golf world on the Golf Channel. Um, did make a good point over the, uh, earlier this week where he said, uh, uh, late last week rather, where he basically said at the beginning of the year, or beginning of 2016, golf outlawed anchored putters, which what it means is that there used to be this putting method where you could put, you could buy an extra long club, you could stick it into your chest or your belly, ideal, which in theory gives you more stability and you could hit, you could hit putts that way. The golf has since outlawed this, they said. Um, they said that it's too easy to do this. You know, you can't give yourself that much stability. We're outlawing it. So that went into effect December or January first, twenty sixteen. Was there a major impact? Like, did it, was there a major impact on the game of the rise of these anchored putters? Yeah, more, more and more people were using them, but there's no statistical evidence to show that it actually improves people's putting. But huh. it, I think I think it was like an optics thing, and I think it was almost like a placebo thing. I think the root cause of it, truth be told, is that the powers that be in golf didn't want to see these things look a little uh, a, a little lame i guess is the, is the word you know like you well like they're not flattering right because they tend to like exactly. push up against the guy's gut which yeah, is like probably not something the sport day. wants to put out yeah yeah and they were kind of like a loophole to begin with and not many people used them then a lot of young guys started using them because they in their mind they thought it made them better even though scientifically there's no real proof it actually makes the stroke easier and i think golf is like yeah no we want to just we, we want to nip this in the bud so basically they outlawed this putting but some people who have been using the method are basically getting around the rule by saying like i'm just going to hold the club one millimeter away from my stomach uh, and and so when you look at the footage on tv people are like is this one millimeter away from the chest or is this actually in the chest and it's just it's just become so tough to see because it basically becomes the golfer's word against like people on tv's well put a bunch of put a bunch of chalk on the end of the club and if there's chalk on their shirt then they get it penalized a stroke i solved it i've solved the problem problem solved yeah exactly like so the question is how do we police this? Ted has just come up with a perfect solution. We got it. I nailed it. One time. I don't even it's watch golf. A little rosin bag on the tip of the club. If it, if it comes off on the shirt, then bam, you've just anchored. I mean, seriously, that's, that's like a, that seems like a reasonable way of handling it, right? Because you can't, you can't just say, you can't start governing how people hold their club. If you say you can't touch it against your stomach, great. But you can't say like, oh no, like you can't choke up this way or whatever you want to do, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, like I'm kind of a proponent for like, rules officials getting out of the way and just putting the onus on the players to own up you know like unless it's blatantly obvious that somebody is will is intentionally cheating i think you have to pose the question to the player and and hope hope that they uh and and hope that they oh you're going with like the trust method because it's golf yeah, I am going with the trust. Oh, method. no, you can't do that. Everyone will and, just cheat. You can't trust yeah, people. Yeah, maybe. But, like, the, the problem is with golf, it's so finicky. There are so many different, like, it's, it, it, remember, this is a game that, you know, requires 70, you know, 14 clubs and, and 72 holes over the course of four days and so many infinite different possibilities of, like, lies. You can't go around stipulating rules for every single scenario, even ones that can't exist yet. So I, my attitude on this all is that you need to paint these big picture um, spirit of the law type things. And unless somebody's very clearly cheating, um, you, you then say, look, like you then throw the ball 
back to the players and you have to hope that they um, that they that they come to the right or the fair conclusion. Again, that may be too rosy-eyed optimistic, but that's generally been the side of things where I come down on. All right. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to happily defer to you on issues of golf because I'm, I can't pretend to be an expert on that. That would be bad if I was telling no, you I knew about golf stuff. Though you did just come up with the best solution uh, I've heard. Yeah, so I mean, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm good at solutions, right? I'm, I'm a natural problem solver. Exactly. You can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, rate us, review us, do all that stuff. Uh, Luke's writing is on For the Win, FTW.USAToday.com, as am I. Uh, Luke, have a happy 4th of July. You too, and enjoy your corn. I will. Peace out. <laughs>